Hello, Sky friends. Scott here. I'm jumping in to let you all know that Seasons of Skyrend has officially launched our Patreon page. Now you can help support the show directly and get some bonuses in return. We have rewards ranging from special Discord roles to outtakes to creating your own NPC for the world of Skyrend and more. Head over to patreon.com slash skyrendpodcast for all the details. Every dollar goes into running and improving the show that you have helped make a success. And with your support, we can make the show even better. Thank you all so much for listening to us. Again, that's patreon.com slash skyrendpodcast. Any amount of support is appreciated. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Hello, Sky friends, and thank you for joining us. I am your host and DM, Scott. I'm here today to talk to you about our sponsor, Libris Arcana. They offer dice subscriptions, leather gaming covers, and more. I signed up for their monthly subscription, and let me tell you, these are some great dice. They're perfect for causing some trouble in our game. Head over to their website, librisarcana.com, and you can get a subscription of your very own. That's L-I-B-R-I-S-A-R-C-A-N-A dot com. As a bonus to Seasons of Skyrend listeners, you can use the promo code SKYREND at checkout to receive 20% off your first month. Each month, you'll receive a new and unique set of dice delivered right to your door. Again, enter promo code SKYRAND at checkout to receive 20% off your first month's subscription. Go get yourself some dice and help us keep the lights on. Thank you, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. Hello, and welcome once again to Seasons of Skyrend. With the eventful conclusion of Book 2 behind us, we are moving once again into an interlude. As we did after the end of Book 1, we will be playing The Glamour. But before we get into that, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. With us, as always, we have... Hi, my name is Chris. I'm at EwokKiller on Twitter, uh, and I'm playing Mavic Tribeless this evening. Wonderful. I am Shannon, at Skyrend underscore Shannon on Twitter, and I am nowhere. I am a tiefling. All right, and? I am Nate, at Skyrend underscore Nate on Twitter. I play Captain Edmondson. I am a human. Very nice. And my name is Scott. You can find me on Twitter at the Scott Blake, and you can find the show at Skyrend Podcast. Today for the Glamour, I'll be bringing back Ikiri the Ageless and Princess Colette. So, as I mentioned, today we are playing the Glamour, so I'll once again be setting aside the role of DM to act as GM. For those who don't remember from when we last played this over a year ago, the Glamour is a gm light D&D-based minigame created by myself, with Patrick Dunkerley as consultant, and with invaluable feedback provided by our own Shannon, Nate, and Chris after our last session. The game focuses on dealing with large-scale issues and events in the game world from a higher perspective than what D&D typically allows. From a very basic view, the Glamour is a group of extremely wealthy and influential people who operate behind the scenes of the world around them. 
Each player has two roles in the form of a major and minor character, the members themselves and their respective companions, the companions acting as enforcer and bodyguard for the member. As we did last time, I'll be taking on the role of two members and their companions to help steer the action internally. With enough time and or players, the GM should eventually need to play just a single pair. Now then, some rules have been updated since the last time we played, and some brand new ones have been added. In fact, I have a couple so new that they aren't even in the shared dock yet. <laughs> Whoops. But before we get into any of that, let's take a moment to reintroduce our characters. This will be a briefer overview than the last time, and if you want more details, I invite you to listen to Interlude 1, The Glamour, from all the way back in May 2018. And I have an extra question or two for each member. But for now, who wants to go first? Nose goes. I'll go first. <laughs> there we go, volunteering. I'll jump on that grenade. Let's get name, location, race, look, companion, uh, and uh, we'll see if I need anything else. Wonderful. So, uh, Mavic Tribalis is a Goliath. He currently resides on the Isle of Indulgence off the coast of Otaxis and runs a collection of all of the kind of ill repute businesses. In uh, the Isle of Indulgence, it looks kind of like a very Vegas, Abu Dhabi sort, sort of feel. Um, that's a thing, right? Yeah. Um, sure. I think you mean Dubai. Dubai, Last that's what I meant. Vegas and Dubai. That's, that's I think Vegas it's Dubai. Yeah, making, making but if you want to go Dubai. party with Normal, that's up to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for correcting that. So yeah, Vegas and Dubai sort of feel. <laughs> um, uh, very high scale, but with this kind of dark side to it. There's a little bit of slave trade, a little bit of drug trade. He's got his fingers in all of it. Uh, my companion is still Wingwen. She's not quite as well as she could be. And she is an illusion wizard. Half wood elf, half silver dragon, i.e. why she's not doing as good as she could be. Oh, poor Wingwin. Yeah, and we don't know how much longer she's going to be around for. She is a courtesan from the houses of ill repute, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. on the island, thus our connection. Okay, okay. I think that's a nice, good overview of your two characters. A couple of questions for you, which I don't think I've prepped you for at all. So no. Get ready to think on your feet. You get the brunt of it because you're the first one to be first asked to this go. generic question. Everybody else, listen up, because you're going to hear one of these too. All right, so first, for Mavic, what is one big accomplishment or failure you've experienced since the previous meeting? Mm, that's a really good question uh, that I have not given any thought to. Okay. Would you uh, like to go to a more specific question while you yeah, think about that? Yeah, let's which, do that. Which I do think you've had a little bit more time to mull over. Previously... You stole the Sun Orb weapon from the Indelible Truth. It is a terribly destructive weapon. How, if at all, have you used it? Uh, I think that ties to your first question, actually, because I'm going to okay. tie these together. With a fear of destroying the weapon, I think Mavic and his ragtag band of uh, evildoers, if you will, um, we're trying to recreate it and not use it. So just like without even using it, just we're going to copy it so that if it breaks, we don't have any problems. And it was a complete failure. Um, it did not work at all. We lost some good men in that explosion. Um, always get more. Yeah, pretty much. That's how we thought, too. Um, they were good, but, you know, they weren't great. Clearly, they failed you. Exactly. Okay. Follow up to that. Where is the weapon now? It's currently stored in a secret location on the island of... Uh, the Island of Indulgence. 
It's stored in a secret location. The only people who know of it are myself and Wen Gwen. It gets taken out when being used or experimented upon and then taken back. Very good. Have anything else for Mavic or Wenguin? No, for now I think we're good. Right. Who's next? I'll go. Tell us about Nowhere and Adron. Nowhere is a tiefling. She is fairly tall, was the daughter of a king and queen, oh. but raised by wood elves. She was cast out because uh, her parents are human. She resides in Port Dion on Amranor. This is some new information here. I'm digging it. I wasn't expecting this. This is new? Port Dion? I don't remember that. I Um, have it written down. I don't think that made it to the air, so. Or that your parents were king and queen somewhere. Yeah. I'm all excited now. But I was cast out, and I'm believed dead. What she does for a living is import-export, just like the mob. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, What she actually does is import export but with a lot of quotation marks around it meaning what she's importing and exporting are not legal hint hint wink wage nudge nudge her, mm. her companion is a drawn galanadel he's a wood elf and a druid tiny little guy he's also not doing well <laughs> at all like really not well but he's very handy with his scimitar. Okay. When he's doing better than he is right now. All right. Let's get to the questions. Oh, God. First, if you're ready for this question. Probably not. What is one big accomplishment or failure that you've experienced since the previous meeting? At the previous meeting, I arranged something. I haven't decided what. With another member of the Glamour like, we were going to take on, like, a something job together that needed, like, their expertise and my expertise. And I just die effed it up. <laughs> Since Nowhere is still such a low-level member of the Glamour, was this other person your sponsor? Or was it a, yet another party? I don't know. Did we ever establish, like, who no, we our didn't. sponsors were? You're the only one with the sponsor. Because you're oh, because I'm like rank. super new, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because you know, I really wanted to just give myself a mountain to climb, didn't I? Yeah, um, um, you're the only aspirant at the table, and aspirants are the only ones who require sponsors. Yeah, and in fact, think about who that sponsor is, because we are going to get back to them here in just a minute. Oh dear. When you all eventually get to the island, I feel like because we didn't talk about them at all last time, because they didn't. just kind of like peaced out. I'm gonna go get some drinks and a massage. Okay, but this time. I want to know who they are, because okay. I feel really bad that someone who's so important to your character is a faceless, nameless blob right now. Got it. So, no, it wasn't my sponsor, but oh, it was somebody that my sponsor introduced the two of us, and my part of the operation, it wasn't a large operation, but my part of it, it just fell apart. Okay. Like, I was supposed to, well, let's just say this. I was going to say, for example, and I'm like, I don't need to do that. I can just mm. make it up. Yeah, you can make it up. Um, we live in a world of make-believe. I was supposed to secure a vessel, a boat, and like a port of entry to get like the stuff from one place to another. And I just, I couldn't get a boat. I couldn't even find a place to dock. I just could not make it happen for this particular deal to go down. We don't need to go into the deep details of that. Yeah. But good. All right. You failed at securing port of entry, ship, all this real stuff that should have been basic. Should have been really easy for me to do, and uh, for some reason it just... You're going to stay an aspirant for a little while longer, I guess. That's fine. No, that's fine. 
We'll see. That, that's all for story to play out, because you could make up for any past failure with a big success. Next up, before we move from nowhere, you have Imelda's prototype teleportation box. I do. How have you benefited from that in this past year or so? It has made small-time import-export much easier. So I no longer reside on the same continent as my sponsor. Okay. And so they keep half the box, and I keep the other half of the box. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) I didn't know if you have to ask this question right now. Since your sponsor is with you, does that mean they currently have the box with them as well, or is it left at their home or their base? No, they brought it back. Um, okay, so it's with you. Yeah, you I have both halves. I have both halves right. right now. Where is that specifically right now? Like, who has it? Like, do I physically have it, or is it, like, left somewhere? In a, is like, it at your base of operations? Is it with another group? Is it on the ship that you're taking to this meeting? You don't need to name names, but I need to know, is it present? Is it home? Or do you trust somebody else with this? I think it's here. Okay. Because it's such a, a rare technology, like... It's awkward of me to be, like, carrying something around all the time, but I don't think... If it's not secure in, like, my safe slash vault at my base of operations, I want it in my sight. So okay. they are here, like, okay. on me. Like, I'm carrying them around. Sounds good. Sounds good. I think that's all we have for Nowhere. And that brings us to Nate. Go ahead and tell us about your member and your companion. Okay, so my member is Captain Edmondson. He is an explorer. He's a celebrated sea captain. Definitely not a D captain. Not a D captain. He's a sea captain. Maybe even a B captain. All right. What about your companion? My companion is Lemons. Lemons wields a cutlass. He's basically your pretty stereotypical pirate. Cutlass, eye patch, strong, silent type. Okay. Captain Edmondson and Lemons. They're both human. Both human. So not affected by the withering as uh, Mavix and Nowhere's companions are. Thankfully, no. Such things don't affect us when you're human. Funny how things work out sometimes. All right. Captain Edmondson, what is one big accomplishment or failure you've experienced since the previous meeting? I picked up a pretty excellent hostage. I'd say that's an accomplishment. Okay. Who is that hostage? The hostage is Earl Earl. That is pretty good. That paid way for the gunner's daughter to enter into your fleet. So excited for that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, actually, no, this ties directly into that. Going off of that. Yes, as you mentioned, you've acquired Earl Earl and Ulwan from the gunner's daughter. Can you tell us what kind of treatment they've received under your care? Yeah, it's probably pretty decent-ish. I mean, not quite... Hotel service, not what a paying passenger would get on my ship if my ship took paying passengers, which it doesn't. But, you know, we haven't roughed him up too much. We want him in good shape. Haven't roughed him up too much. Is he enjoying his captivity or not? Probably not especially. Okay. Wanted to leave that up to you. But but we're not being, you know. No broken limbs, just bruises or... Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And probably not even too many bruises. We don't really want to do him harm. There may have been a few incidents which required some some physical discipline may have been necessary, but mostly sort of a hands-off approach. Okay. And lastly, where are Earl Earl and Ulwan right now? They're on my ship, the Tides of Fortune. 
probably kind of deep and center. I love the name of that ship, man. I love that name, too. Um, Is it an actual brig that they're in? No, he's Earl Earl, so I feel like we've made him kind of a sweet, almost. A pretty well-locked sweet, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. Can't let him just be walking about the ship. No. All right. Thank you, Nate, for Captain Edmondson and uh, Lemon's updates. So, on my side with my two characters, first we have Princess Colette, the Medusa. She's perpetually teenager. Just in physical appearance, she's actually much older than that. She's from the continent of Ataxis, very much a recluse, except when she indulges and throws big parties to feed her vanity. She mostly deals in bribery and fear. Oh, and she... Yes. Princess Colette has a mask that prevents other people from immediately turning into stone in her presence. It is perma-fixed onto her face. Removing it would be very painful. Her companion is Horatio, the air elemental, who wears a helmet and chest plate. He's very gruff and short-tempered, but he takes good care of her. I guess it's only fair that I ask these questions of myself, too, which is a shame because I haven't thought about answers either. So I'm in the same boat y'all are. Princess Colette, what's a big accomplishment or failure that she's had since the previous meeting? I think Princess Colette's big failure actually happened just recently, right after the withering hit. Since this affects her too, the very first thing she did was bring in a bunch of doctors and other medical types to try to fix her, and they all failed terribly, and she slaughtered them all. She got a little upset. Well, she personally didn't. Horatio did. There was a lot of flying really high and being dropped into nondescript places for them. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to go. So, yeah. I think that's her big failure, is that she was not able to cure herself. Had nothing to do with the glamour directly. Of course, the longer she stays alive, the longer she can help the glamour do what it does, the longer she can stay in power. The other member that I'm bringing to the table is Akiri the Ageless. Centuries old bit of amnesia. He doesn't know precisely where he comes from or what he is. Uh, He believes he's a celestial. Pretty sure, maybe. He does have that glowing radiant halo behind his head, but he doesn't have any wings. He's a very big, muscular, hairless man. Lots of script tattoos all over himself. Uh, Light blue silk robes. Similar to Mavic, he runs a lot of comfort houses. His are very much upscale in very old parts of towns. He operates out of Sarakar, this current continent where all of our games have taken place so far. He's very magnetic and flirtatious. He knows many tales, but he's unsure if they're all true. And his companion is Mistress Sengal, the wizard, whom we've had a chance to meet here at the table. And see in action. And see in action. Uh, we saw Akiri as well, but he didn't really do much besides act as a pair of legs for patches that was fun. in the memory world. That was so good. <sighs> Which is unfortunate. Mr. Sengal is getting on in years. She's a human. Spindly, darkened eyes, short slick hair, and dark blue robes with some script on it. That script probably wasn't there when you ran into her in the memory world, either because her clothes didn't have that at the time, or the celestial records didn't indicate that those were there. She has a very dark charm about her. Before we go on to the rest of this stuff, uh, one thing that I forgot to ask, just so we can all be reminded here at the table, what is everybody's rank within the glamour? Go around the same way we did before. Chris, Mavic, what's his rank? Mavic is an adjunct. Adjunct, which I believe is the uh, second tier. Middle tier, yeah. Of the four tiers, adjuncts are the second lowest. 
Not that that's a bad thing. There's only four. So being at step two is already pretty good. And that puts his sphere of influence from a citywide to a regional level. In this case, his island. Shannon. Nowhere. What is her rank? She is an aspirant. Okay. As we said before, that is the lowest rank and requires a sponsor. Uh, And that sponsor has to be present for all the official meetings that you attend. Last time that sponsor kind of just went their own way to go get pampered (laughs) on the island uh, and let you do your own thing. But this time, we will talk about them a little bit, so be ready. Nate, Captain Edmondson. He is an adjunct. Same rank as Mavic, same citywide to regional level sphere of influence. As a renowned sea captain and explorer, that fits very nicely. Oh, aspirants like nowhere. Their sphere of influence is mostly up to a citywide level. Which continent is that? Is that on? Amranor? Amranor. Okay. Then on my side, we've got Princess Colette and Akiri, who are both authors, which is, of course, the highest rank. Authors are required to be present at any official meetings of the Glamour, just to prevent the new folks from running away with all the power. Princess Colette is from Texas, and Akiri is here from Sarakar, which I believe I already said, but I said it again. Bam. One last bit of housekeeping before we jump into the action and the objectives themselves. Before we get fully into the session, I want to touch briefly on the changes and additions to the rules. We can go into more detail when the time comes. The first and most basic is for the dispatch action that can be used to undermine or even assassinate other members. The rules for this still occur at the end, but intent now can be declared at any time. Intent doesn't have to equal action, but this way we don't forget in case something pisses you off early Mm -hmm. on, and then you forget by the end because more things have happened. Mm -hmm. This can be allowed in character, like, I will see you on shore and kill you, and if you actually take it out, then hey, that's a serious threat. But if not, that was just you bursting out in the heat of the moment. Or this intent can be declared out of character, and just be like, hey, yeah, um, remind me that I want to stab them first chance I get. <laughs> this way we don't lose track of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying anybody has to do that, but it's just something I put in the rules so it's not waiting until after hours have passed of gameplay. The second big change is for resource allocation. Before the resources, the stats on your wheel, were only marked off for the member who won the right to act. Now, they will be marked off for all members involved in the role. So as soon as you say yes and put forth your plan, that resource is ticked off. Maybe it's because you actually put it into use. Maybe it's because all the other members heard you try that plan. They didn't like it and they don't want to hear it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. You're strong. Your forces are strong. This is to encourage a variety in planning and heighten the cost of failure. But so as to not be too punishing, let's talk about the biggest change and addition. Prestige. This is something that we were earning last time as a result of success. And this is the resource gained through play. Rules have been changed to increase the rate in which it's earned, and rules for spending it have been added. Prestige is now earned for winning the right to act, and then also for success in the objective based on the difficulty. It can also be spent to persuade other members for assistance and to influence outside parties. This can be done to aid or interfere with almost any role. Because of these changes, we do need to update our prestige totals. So, let's go around the same direction we've been going, just because Nate's is actually the most complicated, because he won the extra bonus prestige last time. Chris, how much prestige does Mavic have? One. Okay. (laughs) Mavic, we're going to go ahead and bump yours up to two. Woohoo! I doubled my prestige. 
just to reflect the fact that you won a roll and you were successful with something. Namely, the sonar weapon. Yeah. Nowhere. How much prestige do you have? One. We're also going to double yours for the single victory and the single success. Yay. No, not Nate yet. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to go through the two authors real quick, because again, Nate, yours is the most complex. Akira the Ageless. Guess what? He didn't get any. He stays at zero. Colette, however, did earn one, so I'm going to update her to two for successfully convincing the giants to become seclusionists, which, yes, was in an effort to have the city of Earl spared from their wrath. I know we are all so pleased about that, that the royal playground is still up and running. Excuse you. All right, Nate, how much prestige does Captain Edmondson have? He has seven. Whoo, that's some good prestige. Okay, so at the end of the last session, he earned a bonus five for having the most success during that time. That five is not going to be touched. That bonus prestige still is earned the same way. So we're going to set that five aside for now. You've got two. We're going to double that to four. Add that five back in. So you've got nine. Nice. And a target on his head. Right about there. Just between the eyes. Are you susceptible to the withering? No, I'm not. No, none of our... The only member at this meeting who's susceptible to it is Princess Colette. Everybody oh, else so none of us touch. are. Okay. There's some companions who are feeling yeah. it. How's your companion? She's not well, but she can handle herself. Don't worry. Mine's probably in better shape. Do you want to challenge that? Let's just see what happens. I should have brought my popcorn. <laughs> see the lightning between them. Right? It's great. I'm just going to sit back and watch the show. <laughs> I mean, as members of the Glamour... If during the meeting either of you wants to call for uh, some castigation against the other. We have no reason to yet. We haven't even gotten to the island yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've established any of that. We're just okay. we're just effing with each other. That's fine. Those slights don't have to be real. They can be imagined. <laughs> You're a bunch of rich assholes. Of course oh, yeah. you take unnecessary vengeance. Okay. I think that wraps up all of our pre-story stuff. We're all back into our characters. We all know where we sit in the world. We've all got a good idea of how much prestige we have. So, let's get into this. It has been well over a year since your last meeting of the Glamour. Other meetings have likely taken place without you, but that is just the way of things. It is a few weeks after the death of Pathox in the town of Capris. Not that anyone present is aware of the truth of the matter. However, you do know that this is an emergency meeting called after it was discovered the global impact of the withering. It is a muggy morning as each of you approach the island base of the glamour. A thick, unnatural fog completely shrouds the island. The sky, outside of that fog, looks muted and dull. Such has been the case since the withering began. The muted sky has been accompanied by a peculiar precipitation on occasion. Windless storms of fat drops of slow, warm rain, have been reported from all over. As you pull in through the fog to the docks, the increased security is immediately evident. Squads of merfolk patrol the waters, goliaths secure the paths to the castle, and teams of fiends and elementals roam the remaining grounds, as well as the skies above. As soon as you step off your ships, a separate team of goliaths begin to escort you to the meeting room. Quickly. So quickly, in fact, that nowhere, your sponsor is unable to slip away to the frivolities of the island. 
And yeah, as we mentioned before, I realized we've never described them. So, who are they? What about their companion? We don't need full backstory. A race and a name or demeanor would suffice here. Business-wise, they are similar to myself, which is how we kind of got hooked up. We're very similar as far as, like, personality goes, right? Okay. Both of us are are very good at talking to people because that's the whole import-export business, right? It's all deal-making. And um, we met because something was coming or going between continents, and I was on one half of the transaction, and he was on the other. He? So it's a male. Yeah. Okay. And the more we did business together, right, the more he'd started to trust me. Mm -hmm. He eventually said, hey, I've got this bigger thing for you. What race is your sponsor? Everything's open. I don't know. I kind of want it to be something weird, but I feel like it's not. You can get weird. I feel like he's just a dude. He's just a dude? Just be a dude, but like one of the races we haven't seen much of yet. It could be like a gnome or something. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking gnome. I don't know. I don't know why, but yeah, he's so... Or a half like Something middle. But yeah, he's so... Um, just a second. I believe they are on your list. I believe they are on that list, too. <laughs> I just thought of that I myself. I think your sponsor yeah. is afflicted. That's about right. For unknown reasons. My whole life right now. We all gnome the reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If your sponsor is a gnome, he's certainly affected by the withering. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a he's a gnome. We look an odd pair. Okay. <laughs> My first instinct is something strong. Because, like, as a gnome, you'd want, mm-hmm. you'd want muscle. So, like, a, like a troll giant. or an ogre or a giant. Now, that would be a thing. Or whatever cash it is. Etten. An etten. Yeah, yeah, it could be an etten. Or an orc. Also affected by the weathering. Yeah. I'm trying to... You want somebody... You want a, I, I a race want, that's healthy still. I would like a companion who's not affected by the elemental. weathering. Elementals are if you're, not affected. If you're going to uh, let me choose. Let me take a quick look at this here. Oh, gosh. Aberrations, if you want to get real freaky. I would like Shit, his um, companion to be a gelatinous cube. Any <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Uh, gelatinous cubes Manticore. are oozes, and I'm sorry they are affected, too. Manticore. Uh, Manticore is a monstrosity, also affected. affected. Damn. Um, that's why I'm looking at my list here. What about just, like, a polar bear or something? Uh, it could be yeah, a Tawani polar bear. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you could have a Tawani companion. A bear Tawani. Ooh, that's a good idea. Ooh, I like that. A bear Tamani. <laughs> Scott's just, very happy right now. Thank everybody right now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. He really likes the Tamani. I think he wants them more. I love <laughs> them. They're great. Let's see. Let's see. Never mind. Oh, my never God. Mind, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> At least we killed that one dude. <laughs> dude was a dick. So the bear covers the, the one half of the Tamani. What's the other half? Oh, yeah. It can be any race. That's oh. not always human. Dwarf. I didn't know that. Dwarfs are afflicted. And I don't want that. Oh, get my list back out. <laughs> uh, I mean, here, let hum- me just tell you what's not. Human seems simple, but that's eh, too easy. I don't like that. So we've got beasts. A beast on beast Timoni would be weird. Weird. Theoretically possible. Half orc. um, uh, orcs, are- orcs are affected. Uh, bullywugs, nah. celestials, elementals, fiends. Giants, Goliaths, 
Grung, halfling, humans, the lizard folk, the merfolk, plants. That'd be a weird pairing. And all the shapeshifters out there. Okay, how would it work? How would it work if he was like a halfling polar bear Tamani? Would he get like super bigger? Yeah. When Tamani join their humanoid and beast tabs, they tend to get bigger. That's ridiculous. That's what I want. <laughs> now I'm picturing the two of them riding in on the bear. Yeah. So it is a polar bear then? Yes. Okay. Polar bear. Fur shirzies. Oh, which means that whatever continent they're on should be in the winter band. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that would be, but... Wherever the poles are. But no, you don't have to worry about Actually, no, it's only one of the poles. Mm-hmm. The North Pole is very hot. It's very hot. Very, yeah, hot. very, very hot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zvorzeth is the big one that's down there, but the southern tip of Sarakar isn't the winter belt, so he could be from down there south of Earl, like where Malsius is at. Okay, that works for me. That works for me. Yeah. Whew. That's really amusing. Yeah, and they use the bear as like a mount. <laughs> Just ride around on it. <laughs> People just see them coming, they're like, um, other side of the road. What in the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> oh, gnome and a halfling just chilling on a polar bear. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I'd be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> How did those two even wrangle that thing? <laughs> All right. I need a name, at least for the member. The companion doesn't need to have a name right now just because, hey, they're the companion, and you probably haven't interacted with them too much specifically as nowhere, but you definitely know your sponsor's name. They're a gnome. <laughs> I do not have a big naming convention for gnomes yet. You've only met the one on the ship. Trina was the gnome that you met on the gunner's daughter. So yeah, and that could have been a nickname. They might have a fancier naming convention if you want. But if you want to go out of the book, which I think you've done for both your member and your companion. So, I like that there's nicknames. His name is Gimble, and his, his full name is Gimble Ningle. <laughs> Ningle? N-I-N-G-E-L. Or Ningel. Gimble Ningle. Gimble Ningle. I hate you. <laughs> but because he hates his name, he goes by Cloak. Cloak. <laughs> That's Gimble Nimble. Oh, I could totally picture right? him like in a meeting yeah. with someone yeah. and they're like, come on, Gimble. He's like, it's called Cloak. <laughs> don't call me <laughs> he, that shit. Yeah. Um, we're just going to call him Gimble Nimble. Does Gimble wear a cloak? No. Okay. It's more... It's a moniker. It's his gangster name. It's yeah. It's more about a like professional name. So when someone wants to deal with him on the DL, they're like, talk to the cloak. Yeah, basically. Is it like the shadow. Like a street name. Yeah, yeah. the shadow. Name. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having no. a, an underworld nickname. Because yeah, nobody. Uh, n- yeah. <laughs> nobody on the seedier side of things wants to deal with Gimbal Ningle. <laughs> <laughs> is that anything like nice try the rock? Right. <laughs> but we don't no smell one wants to smell Dwayne's what Dwayne is cooking. <laughs> Captain Edmondson would be happy to deal with Gimble Nimble. Mingle. Gimble Mimble. <laughs> That's part of the problem. Gimble, no one gets it right. <laughs> Gimble Mingle. And then he just wants to stab them and he can't do that. And so <laughs> just call me Cloak. It's fine. Everything is fine. Okay, or call um, me GN. It's fine. GN. Okay. How does that transliterate into common? This is great. (laughs) I'm going to set their level at Adept, so that way they are higher than both Mavic and Captain Edmondson. Okay. So if Captain Edmondson wants to call them Gimble, Nimble, Mabibble... There um, might be penalties. 
Yeah, like, you know it's punching up. They might take it with good humor, you never know. But, like, yeah, it's not a peer situation there. Never been afraid to punch up. Good. You go ahead and do that. That's how I got where I am. Well, also lots of punching down. A little punching up. I was going to say, some of those other continents and uh, (laughs) regions you visited probably were not able to withstand you and your forces. This is true. Okay. That takes care of Nowhere's sponsor. Thank you. (laughs) Anyways, back to the docks. The Goliaths are quickly gathering you up to take you into the castle. They escort you into the meeting room before any servants can offer you drinks or other comforts. As you enter the meeting room with its massive oaken map table and portraits of the authors, a pair of tendrilled plant folk pour you a drink of your choice before taking up stations on either side of the room. What's everybody drinking? Captain. Rum. Of course. Of course they have rum. Absolutely. Mavic's drinking a large tankard of a very strong ale. All right. Big ale. Nowhere? Something that looks alcoholic but isn't. (laughs) It's like a virgin margarita. Because she knows that in the interim she has, like, screwed up big time, and so she needs her wits about her. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But she doesn't want to be rude. (laughs) And O'Doul's? No, like... Something no, like the yeah. equivalent of like soda water with like a lime in it. Uh, so it looks like a G and T, but like, it's not. Yeah, like, like it a looks bar of ginger ale. Yeah, right. like it looks like a looks like a beverage, but it's it's not. Okay, the Goliaths act with such speed that even your mentor Gimbal Mingle uh, <laughs> is unable to avoid being included in this meeting. <laughs> they do not sit at the table. He gets. Ooh, what does Gimbal Mingle drink? Um, I think it bubbles. Yeah. I think it magically bubbles, like more than just carbonation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a like, pangalactic... Gargle blaster! <laughs> I stopped yeah. for copyright reasons, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I'm, it looks like it's got dry ice in it or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gimbal Ningle gets a magical cocktail. Yeah. There's like little bits of prestidigitation popping out in the carbonation. Yeah! He and <laughs> his companion... God, they don't even get off the pole. <laughs> I think the polar bear just walks over to the side of the room underneath one of the paintings of the authors that's still covered up. And the two of them just sit side saddle and face inward and just watch as all this goes down. <laughs> Lovely. This may be my favorite part of the evening. You're welcome. That was a team effort. It was. <laughs> that's my sponsor. So you're welcome. Okay. Ikiri the Ageless is already in his seat, though you didn't see his ship at the docks. Princess Colette is the last to join you, her movements slowed by the withering, behind a facade of false ambivalence. As she eases into her seat, the snakes that make up her hair let out a hiss of release as she addresses the room. I don't know, how do snakes sound when they, like, dip into the tub? (laughs) It sounds about right. I like that. I'll buy that, yeah. Okay. Thank you all for coming on such short notice. We were hoping for greater numbers, but we must press on. As they say, probably looks at Captain Edmondson at this point, the tides wait for no one. As you're all aware, something is sweeping across the world. If we don't act now, we may never get the chance. Shall we proceed? Your final chance to do or say or interact with anybody present before we get down to business here. No. Ready for business. Okay. 
You know what? No, I think I think I need a little description here from Chris and Shannon. Your companions are afflicted by the withering. They are sick. They are ill. They are getting worse. What is their current state? As a reminder, as the withering takes hold, people begin to look more desiccated, more dried out, before their body is overtaken by basically bone plating. They ossify into a bone statue. That process doesn't have to be immediate. So how are Adrin and Wingwin looking? Mavic is one for shows of strength. So if she looked too bad, she wouldn't be here. <laughs> but she looks... She's kind of a terrifying reminder. It's a power play in bringing her. So like when I first described her in some of my early writings about her, I described that she's like silver dragon has silver wings and like silver scales in her hair. Mm -hmm. Those scales have all started to calcify. They're like, they're already like bony in her hair. Are they still shiny? They have a little bit of sheen to them. So it's like this shiny bone just like in her hair and it kind of sticks up a little. And so it's kind of terrifying to look at. I'm a little scared right now. Yeah. I'll be honest. Um, which is the exact reason why he brought her. It's still a show of force. Now, and on a personal level, he's concerned about her, but that's not neither here nor there. All right. Yeah, I won't go into that. No, I will um, go into that. Okay. Excuse me. Is he concerned for her on a personal level because he cares about her yes. well-being? Or, okay. Yeah, they, they have a... It's, an asset. Yeah, it's beyond an asset. Okay. She's probably the only person in his life that he actually has feelings for. So that's... Yeah. It's okay to have, like, an honest friendship or relationship yeah. with your companion. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about Wingwin before we go to Adron? Um, no, I think that's that's kind of it. She's managed mm -hmm. to avoid the worst of it beyond the terrifying cosmetics of it. That's fine. It is a slower process for some. Nowhere. How's Adron doing? Um, Adron. Sorry. How's Adron doing? <laughs> He's okay. He's not quite as quick with his scimitar as he was. Remind me his race again. I'm brain farting over here. He's a wood elf. Okay. But he's like he's still moving around. He's still him. Mm -hmm. He's definitely um, still capable. He's still yeah, he's definitely still capable. Are there or, any physical signs yet? Is he showing some of that withering? Is he so showing any of the calcification? No. Okay. Um he just moves a little slower than he did. That's fine. Very similar to how Princess Colette is dealing with this right now. Yeah. Otherwise, okay. we would be talking about... Someone else. Having it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and because Mavic brought this up, how does Nowhere feel about this afflicting her companion? She's pissed. Not at him, of course, but, like, she's angry and worried and scared because not only is it afflicting him... But her whole adopted family. Oh, that's right. She was raised by wood elves. Yes. Yeah. She's pissed. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Okay. Also a good reason to not be drinking. <laughs> okay. Okay. Glad we touched on that before we went into our objectives and scenarios here. So, as you all remember, you're going to get a chance to hear the basic objective first and then decide privately whether or not you want to act. And then we can talk about plans. I've got a few here, but if there's anything pressing that your members of the Glamour would want to address, either because they've been slighted by another member, let's say, or because they have this very valuable resource and they need a way to put it to better use outside of what they can do on their own, that's another thing to think about. Not mandatory. I've got enough to get us through the night. Don't worry about it. Or if somebody just upsets you during the course of these objectives and you want to immediately call out for a castigation and have a duel between your companions, 
All right, we can do that. Okay. I think we're going to start with Princess Colette, because this is a subject near and dear to her, as she is also affected by the withering. Okay. The first thing we have here is an opportunity. Let's not mince words. Half the world is dying, and no one knows why. Nobody in Mm -hmm. this room knows. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. We'll get to the question of a solution later, but that could take time. People are sick and dying now. So, how can we profit from this? There is no threat, just the chance that someone beats us to the punch, or that people die before we can take advantage of them. Really enforcing how terrible people are at this meeting right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, as she said, this is an opportunity, which means you're just going up against the a clock, basically, and how well you can plan. So the difficulty will be set by us here at the table. Uh, I will set the DC based on that difficulty. And as a reminder, with the new rules, the higher the difficulty, the more prestige you could potentially earn. So if we want to make something more difficult, it could benefit you. It'd be harder to do, though. Which is another reason why I wanted to put that out there. Because I like the idea of you guys shooting yourself in the foot by setting a difficulty too high. Let me get to the opportunity page. Opportunity. No direct external opposition, you are rolling against your own planning and ability to read the scenario. The relative difficulty is agreed upon as usual, and you roll against the DC as determined by the GM. Boom. So, everybody make a decision right now as to whether or not you want to participate. If you think your character has a plan to profit from a pandemic, basically, with your cards. Okay. Let's go around the table. Let's start over here. Neat. All right, Captain Edmondson is in. Nowhere. Is in. Is in. Mavic. Mavic's in. Mavic's in. Ikiri is not. Neither he nor his uh, companion are affected by this. And as far as he knows, he's going to live forever. So he's got time. (laughs) (laughs) Colette, however, is definitely in. Because even if she does end up dying, she wants to make all the money on along the way. So this is a lot of plans we're going to get to hear off the bat. Remember, your plan just has to hinge on the stat that you choose, even if other things might be involved. So, who's got a plan first? Let's go over our plans before we talk about spending any prestige. We'll do that when it comes time to roll. That way it's not like Nate says, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to trigger all my prestige. He's got a lot. I have a question. Yeah. What happens if we come up with plans that are similar? Um, try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I, Probably we won't. It, it could happen. I don't um, know. I feel like my plan for this is kind of... There's a lot of different ways this can mm-hmm. go. I've got two in my head right now, one of which, if somebody else already has it, I'm going to just high-five everybody on the table. Just I'm, like, bam, 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 because it's the most brilliant evil plan that I've got for this. I'm just worried my plan is... It's a good plan, but I'm worried it's obvious, which means... Well, why don't you share it first, then? That's right. If you choose to go first, then you've, you you know, you're making the other plan. person look like they're uh, just riding your coattails. Because right. this is happening during the meeting as it happens. Mm-hmm. And if you put forth a good idea, and then somebody else is just like, I'm going to do that same thing also. Oh, man. They don't look so bright. It is a lot about internal perception here. <laughs> so who wants to go first? All right, I'll go first. Since I have the best plan. <laughs> there we go, Captain Edmondson. All right. What stat does this hinge on first? Charisma. Charisma. All right. What is this plan? Uh, my plan is basically to sell medicine. Okay. Um, real medicine or uh, snake oil medicine? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a, it's phrasing, right? I mean, there'll be some probably, you know, anesthetic or something in it to make them feel better for a short while. 
So it's not fake. <laughs> is the true purpose of this medicine to heal them of this affliction or to just make them feel better? Is there a placebo effect? Yes. To which there were three questions there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is this intended to actually cure them of the disease? No. Okay. Because as far as I know, such a thing does not exist. The intent yeah. is to make them, you know, give us a lot of money thinking they're getting cured. Okay. That definitely sounds like a good charisma roll. So, yeah, we'll go with that. That was definitely one of the plans I had up here. <laughs> See? <laughs> it's snake oil salesman. It's good old-fashioned uh, right? underhandedness. Who wants to go next? I'll go. All right, Noah. First, what stat is this? Remember, you'll be <sighs> marking this stat off as used. Yeah, I'm... Regardless of whether or not you win the roll. So, Captain Edmondson, go ahead and check off your charisma. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to check off my charisma, too. I was trying to make this intelligence, but it's deal-making, so it's it's charisma-based. I have to get them to trust me. Okay. My plan, since I'm the importer-exporter, is to purchase valuables from the people that are dying and resell them at higher rates to people who are not dying. That's some good evil right there. That's some good solid evil right there. It's like Nazi level Don't you evil. want to leave your children, your children's children, anybody who might be alive with money? You should sell me all your goods. And then I'm going to sell them to other people for what they're actually worth. I like how evil this plan is because, of course, the children of these people who are dying are also sick and dying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Sorry, what's that? Was that again? It's charis- It's got to be charisma. Okay. Like, no, I was yeah. trying to come up with a way to make it anything other than that, but it's not. That's fine. Yeah, I will buy that as a charisma roll. Good, yeah. good, good. Charisma, charisma. Mavic, what do you got? Mavic's going to go with charisma also here, which is not one of their strengths, but they have an idea. Mm-hmm. They're going to play up the It's the End of the World card. We own an island of indulgence. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Come and live it up before it's over. Oh. Hard push marketing. I love this. It has nothing to do with fixing anybody's problems. Uh-huh. It's just live your best life. Ignore until you it. Die. <laughs> Skid into the afterlife. <laughs> leave nothing behind. Come leave it on the table. You're going to die anyway. All right. I, I love and it. And so are your children. So exactly. who cares? <laughs> God. But first, sell me all your goods. <laughs> you got to book passage somewhere. Hey, you want to work together? <laughs> All right. You tell me their stuff. Then come give you money. Okay. I'm let's, just kidding. Let's move on to Princess Colette. The last with a plan this time. As much as I want hers to also be charisma, I don't think this is about convincing anybody that, like, it's not a social pressure. I want to say this is intelligence because they want to use, uh, they want to use a magic and technology that they know about but they're not experts in. And they know about this technology, of course, through their wonderful friend, Earl Earl. Princess Colette's plan is to use intelligence to figure out how to use the process outside of duplicating Earl Earls. You may die, but your memories, as far as you know, it could be the real you, could live on in the body of a new changeling. Or other things, maybe, even if we get it better. <laughs> oh, okay, so the player over here is pissed. But Scott, I respect that. I told you this was the most evil plan I had for this one particular. I respect that. That's um, good. If we could just put your brain in a different body, that's just Nothing as wrong good, with that, right? right? As far as that body is going to know, they are the real you and will continue to live on until we find a solution or until that one dies. Maybe we'll move you to another one. Who knows? Ooh. 
Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but since she doesn't know how to do it, Horatio doesn't know how to do it, they're, it's an intelligence thing. They're going to either need some help or they're just going to have to get real lucky. So, before we go on to the actual role, first step, I think, is what is the overall difficulty of this scenario? Is that something we all agree on or yeah, is it different for all of on. us? Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, I just um, want to make sure I'm... Following. It's a little bit more open-ended with this one since it's an opportunity with real vague plans. Like, I shouldn't say vague plans. Plans that are across the board. They're just all over the place. We've got a bunch of different things. How do you take advantage of the die? For the most part, I want to set this at about an average. Just because chances are a solid chunk of the population is really scared right now. And can be convinced into doing things that, you know, aren't actually going to work. Yeah. But if somebody wants to raise or lower that down... Like, you could lower it saying, half the world is dying. Of course these people will do anything. But if you think it should be more difficult, because, you know, why would they trust you? You're not actually going to help them. Like, people might see through that. That's part of the difficulty. What are you guys thinking? Where should we put this on the scale of difficulty? It seems fairly average to me. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm also, I'm not working particularly outside my skill set either. But it shouldn't be right. affected by your particular skill set. I would tend to agree that this is pretty average. Yeah. I would third that. Yeah, taking advantage of people who are it. Yeah, who are already like scared, like you said, is pretty shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Um, trying to find work with my difficulty scale. Part of me is there it is. Difficulties can be low, average, high, extreme, or impossible. The game designer in me wants to just drop low altogether because if something was low, we wouldn't need to talk about this at a meeting. It would just be done. That's fair. We'll deal with that next time. We're going with average. People are scared. They're grasping at straws. So I'm going to go ahead and set a DC here. And while I do that, everyone needs to decide right now whether or not they're going to spend any prestige on this role. I don't feel like I have enough to start spending it. (laughs) As a reminder, you can spend two prestige to persuade another member here at the meeting to assist you. Or you can spend one prestige to get an outside party to help you. I'm going to spend one. Who's this outside party? I'm going to reach out to the uh, Journalism Guild. The Indelible Truth? To convince them to carry my advertisements. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is going to end so poorly. Oh my god. (laughs) All right. um, If you end up winning this role, they're either going to gain or lose power within the world. Which I love because the game has already had them around and done stuff. I mean, hell, they had a weapon at one point. I know. It's mine now. Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> hey, I killed a bunch of your people and took this thing you had. Do my bidding. They don't know that was me. All right. Anyways. It's part of the reason why I love the idea of reaching out to them. We'll have to see if you win the role. I think Colette is going to spend both of her prestige to get Ikiri to back her up on this and provide some extra resources. Like a, a reaffirming voice. Kind of similar to what the media is doing. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. hit the mass population. Akiri's going to be there to help convince all of the earls down in Earl Earl uh, that this is a good idea. Mark off that prestige if you used to. I did. Do the captain or nowhere want to spend some prestige? Nah, not this time. Nowhere is chilling. Reminder to self. Add a line on the character sheet for prestige spent. Okay. So you getting the indelible truth to help, Mavic, that gives you a plus two on your roll. Mm-hmm. Outside of any advantage or disadvantage you might already have, Princess Colette, persuading another member to assist her, is going to get an extra die. This moves her from one to two, essentially advantage. Captain Edmondson and Nowhere, do you have any advantage or disadvantage on this roll? 
have advantage in charisma. Cool. Same. Mark, do you? I do not. Oh, okay. It's plus two. All right, then. So let's all go ahead and roll. Reminder, it's a fairly low DC as an average task, but you do need the highest to win. Does advantage work like it usually does? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 2d20, take the higher. All right. Let's go in the order of people who gave plans. Captain Edmondson, what'd you roll? I rolled a 16. Nowhere. 19. Mavic? With my plus two, I have a three. Woof. Oh. <laughs> All right. Glad uh, we don't punish crit fails here. Oh, your plan was come to my island and live out the rest mm. of your days. That's right. <sighs> I think everybody at the table in the meeting agrees. That's great for convincing the rich people. But, you know, poor people aren't going to move halfway across the world. They're going to want to spend time with their families. Loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Colette got a 15, even with her advantage, which means Nowhere's plan is going to be put into action. Nowhere. Um, shit, what was your plan again? To buy all the goods from people oh. who are dying and resell them. At That's right. You were going to... Actual market value. <laughs> totally be like a grave robber. Pre-grave robber, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how pretty you are. <laughs> no, pre. Oh, pre-grave pre- robber. A pretty grave robber. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, that's a pretty grave robber thing to do. No, no, like pre-grave robber. Because okay. I'm, I'm robbing their graves before they're in them. Okay. <laughs> so, with a 19, you not only won the one prestige from getting to act here at the table, but on an, for an average difficulty objective, you gain one extra prestige. So tell us. What does this look like when you and your associates go out into the world and start convincing people to give you their stuff on the cheap? It looks a lot like a classier version of the, like, we buy gold (laughs) 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 commercials that you see. Except where it starts a little more door-to-door than that in places that I know the populations are heavy with um, people who are affected. But it's it's the same marketing strategy, right? Like, yeah. give me your goods, I pay you for them. Okay. Wonderful. Princess Colette addresses nowhere. Nowhere. That is an ingenious idea. People will just willingly give it to you so that way somebody else can live a better life. It will be received as very noble. Looking forward to seeing those profits down the line. Uh, let's see. Which author is going to take point on this next one? I think Akira is going to jump in on this one. Uh, this is more Sarakar based after all, and that's his home turf. Thank you, Nowhere and Princess Colette. Up next, we have another opportunity. The royal family of Sarakar. King Aldabas in particular are especially concerned by the withering. They want to maintain control for as long as they can, with as firm a grasp as they can, until a cure can be found. This has left them desperate for assistance. How can we take advantage of this? This is an opportunity, again. There's no opposing threat here. It's not like if you fail, somebody's going to get hurt. case could be made for that, but in this case, I'd rather not. I think this is a good opportunity. And that is the royal family of Sarakar needs a way to maintain control while they themselves are getting sicker and the people are getting sicker and tensions mount. So let's all take a moment here to decide if we want to act or not. They just want to maintain control, right? That's the royal family's ultimate objective. Here within the glamour, maybe it's helped them maintain control. 
maybe it's a little bit of stealing some of that. I don't mm. know. Okay, um, okay. There's political turmoil. If the monarchy is sick, they want to make sure they're still on top when they come out on the other side. they got to get to there first, but they don't want to lose control in the meantime. I'm worried that I might have already used my only usable stat for who my character is, because I'm like, I can send wave after wave of my own men at things, but that's probably a charisma roll. What other solutions do I have? Um, charisma is convincing people with words or showy actions. There's other ways to convince people that you're useful. Mm, okay. I don't know what else Captain Edmondson specializes in. But if you wanted to devote your physical forces to the government, that wouldn't necessarily be a charisma. It could be if you wanted to it to hinge on the fact of you convincing them that your resources are good enough. The government. Uh, yeah, the government. Okay. I, I could see an argument for that being strength if it's just, I just have to show him my forces are good enough. Now, how do you uh, show them? And the same could be said for many of the other stats. If you're wielding magical forces or if you're wielding like thieves... Sometimes a show of force is a good example. Okay. Okay. Decision's been made? Yes. Yeah. I think so. It's all participating. Let's see him. All right, so we have a yes from Mavic, a no from Nowhere, and a strong nope from Captain Edmondson. On the author's side, we have a no from Collect and a yes from Akiri. This is his turf, after all. More control at home. Always nice. So, who wants to go first with their plans? I'll go first. All righty. Mavic... Settles into his chair and addresses the group, saying, As you all know, one of the areas of strength for my island are our pit fighters. These are veteran warriors. We will simply offer them as mercenaries to the king and queen for their protection and to fight any battles they'd like to see not be advertised. To put down any uh, challenges to the king. Mm hmm. Gonna try to sell the government a private police force? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A show of force is always good. Yep, 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 yep. You're a monster. Okay. <laughs> it is fun to play the villain, because this is not something I personally would ever support. <laughs> All right. Which just leaves it to Ikiri. Ikiri. Yeah. Ikiri is going to use wisdom. Rather than rely on his charm to convince the royal family that he and his resources are best to advise them He's going to use his wisdom to try to plant himself as a personal advisor to the king by giving him a few, let's just say, tips on insurgencies that are about to happen, but that the king can avoid because these are set up by Akiri himself. <laughs> oh. Ooh. That's some underhanded shit. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? You know, he's also not a great person. All right. First up, difficulty of this task. Royal family looking for help. They are in charge of the entire continent, so I imagine they've got a lot of people banging on their doors to offer help. So I would put this at, like, high or extreme. Yeah, I'd say so. Which one? They do have a level of desperation, so I'd say high. High? They're Everybody... hearing a lot, but they need to hear it, or they're looking for answers. Mm -hmm. Everybody else think high is appropriate for that? Sounds like high. I'm good with high. I'm good with high. Let me set a good high DC here. I have to remember that there's two difficulties above that. Another reason why I want to get rid of the low. Okay. Again, with an opportunity, this is just about rolling the highest at the table and then beating the preset DC. Do you have any advantage or disadvantage? I do have advantage. Ikiri also has advantage. Are you spending any prestige? I only have one. I'm not going to spend it on this one. Okay. Ikiri has none for the time being. So yeah, he has none to spend. 
So this is just a straight up uh, advantage v advantage roll. Let's go ahead and do this. Akiri rolled a 4 and a 15. What did Mavic get? 18. Very nice. Unfortunately, we don't get to have our Ikiri being the worm tongue to King Aldabas. I'm so sad. That would be fun to watch. Anyways, make sure you mark off your stats. Yes, I'd already did. Okay. Mavic earns one prestige for winning that roll. And as a high, Mavic gains an extra two prestige for the difficulty of this challenge. Wonderful. What does this look like when put into action? Are there any challenges that you overcome or don't overcome? How receptive is King Aldabas to this? How do the people in his court react to this plan? Anything you want. Like, you don't have to answer all those questions. But. Uh, the first appearance of Mavic's men show up outside the town gates, and they look like a full-on invasion army. They don't have the numbers of an invasion army, but they have that appearance. It's literally, we emptied the pit fighters, we armed them, we marched them up to the front gates and knocked on the door. And uh, the first response was, obviously, they have a standing army at the capital to react with the hesitance of violence. But because my uh, companion is so good with her words, she's able to convince them that we're not here to invade them, but to actually help them. And we take on policing of the streets of the capital from the king and queen entirely so that they can use the royal army to police the outer areas and the capital is completely safe under our protection. Is it just the capital where your forces are deployed? Officially, yes. Okay. Not counting small excursions here and there. Yes, yes. Just vermilion. Because I'd like to think we don't really have enough men to go beyond that because we've got a lot, but we are a small island. That's fine. And maintaining control of the capital is the most important step. Yeah. Okay. Before we go to the next one, Akiri will say, Well, Mavic, I wish your men good luck in the capital. Do keep us posted of any new developments there. Next, I will turn back to Princess Colette. Okay. Up next, we have a bit more of an active obstacle. Thanks to the captain's... She motions to Captain Edmondson. Thanks to the captain's recently acquired asset, Earl Earl, we have learned of a possible treasure ship within the Moaning Island. You guys never went to go get So, here we go. It's currently under the protection of the Sahuagin there, but they are sure to be weakened by the withering. They are still a threat, but not as much as they once were. This could be a great opportunity for easy money. So, who wants to go after a treasure ship? The active threat here being the Sahuagin present, which we as players know about their size and abilities and forces. A little bit weaker now, thanks to the withering, but... I'd probably put this at a high threat since they do have control over, say, sharks and certain water special effects. And there is that giant whirlpool to tend with. But there is a boat filled with potentially treasure, or at least historical artifacts. Just so we remember, this is the ship that Princess Annika and Kervish were on. So, got a nice good treasure out at sea. People ready? Alright, I think I know what I'm going to try. And you can okay. tell me if it doesn't work and I'll be like... Fuck, I gotta think of something else real fast. This is the glamour. Everything works. All right. <laughs> All right, let's show some cards. So we've got a yes from the captain. Nowhere, what do you got? Oh, yes. A yes from Mavic, a yes from Klet, and Akiri's the only one sitting this out. Goody. It's a little too far outside of my sphere of influence. I've got plans on shore. So, between the four of us, who wants to go first with their plan? I mean, okay, Princess Colette <laughs> wants to go first. <laughs> 
I was going to say, mine's probably the stupidest, so... I don't know. Mine's pretty stupid, too. Mine's pretty stupid. First, Princess Clet is going to use a plan that hinges on Constitution. Her plan... I feel really dumb saying this out loud. Involves just a completely underwater escapade. Rather than going along the surface in a boat, landing on the island and trying to dive down into the whirlpool to get the ship, starting miles offshore, sending her forces down almost to the bottom of the ocean, and submarining over to the ship. Love it. (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) Obviously, constitution because they have to stay underwater for a long time. Animal and Sahugan dangers aside, like just being underwater and some holding breath, some like magical assistance, but it's mostly just can they withstand the pressures and the temperatures and the lack of oxygen for that long. Who's next? All right, Captain Edmondson, what do you got? Okay, it's not dumb so much as non-fleshed out, I think, is the issue. (laughs) That's fine. So let me... Give us the skeleton. Okay, here's the skeleton. I think this is a strength plan. Okay. And I think I want to use this prestige point to tell me if this works. Invoke the crew of the gunner's daughter. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you want to declare you're using a prestige point now, you certainly can. The gunner's daughter is currently part of your fleet. But if you want to say that they are considered their own branch and that Captain Edmondson has given them leeway to take on jobs as they see fit, so long as he gets like a cut or something, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, just because I like the idea of the gunner's daughter being rogue out on the oceans right now. <laughs> and having to go back to that stupid whirlpool. Hers. <laughs> okay. I mean, obviously you would provide them extra. Like, they're assisting you. It's not right. assisting them. Right. Uh, they've got knowledge of being there before. They've certainly got some skill, but okay, yeah. So how is this, sorry, remind me, how is this a strength plan? It's pretty much, and I'm hoping this counts as strength because I don't know what else it is. It's pretty much brute force. I've got Gunner's Daughter. I've got a ton of my own men. Mm-hmm. Throw my own men at the Sahuagins. Okay. Throw my own men and the Gunner's Daughter crew down the whirlpool. You know, strength in numbers. All right, yeah. Just physically overpowering all the Sahuagin there. Yes. Taking it by force. Exactly. It's simple, but potentially very effective. So go ahead and mark off that stat. And if you're declaring your prestige now, then go ahead. As a reminder, you can spend multiple prestige if you want. The benefits and pitfalls to the party assisting you, in this case the gunner's daughter, gets amplified with every point you spend. All right. These are two fun plans. What else do we have? <laughs> God. Much like you, Scott, I feel stupid for even saying this out loud. It's all right. Nowhere <laughs> wants to use her knowledge of like shipping lanes and how to like navigate water how to navigate the ocean it's not it's not like stealth in there and like get in but in order to i don't even know like okay sorry real quick what stat is this plan supposed to be int okay like intelligence, I, like like I've like I've gained all of this knowledge of, of like how ships navigate the ocean from my work, mm-hmm. and so what I want to do is like get in and in and out of the whirlpool. Like the goal is to not even deal with the Sahu again. So you want to be in and out before they can even act. Yes, and this requires using navigators and experienced nautical professionals. Yes, to just correctly navigate like they're in they're out yeah no fuss no muss exactly 
The Suhugan will absolutely know that you've been there, because they will see you coming and see you leaving, but the idea is that you're just too fast. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'll let this fly. It's <laughs> a really bad plan. But <laughs> the glamour is so much more flexible than normal D&D &D rules, so if you're saying it's reliant on somebody's intelligence, that means if they mess up... Man, that means they really didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, they sold you a false bill of goods. Yeah, which is what I do for a living. It's hard to fault them for that. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's an int plan. It's <laughs> a bad int plan. <laughs> All right, Mavic, that leaves you for the end. Mavic's going to go with a wisdom plan here. Okay. Using uh, some of our hunters and fishermen, we're going to uh, launch an excursion onto the island itself. And spend time creating traps and kill points and all the sorts of things that would turn it into a death trap for the Sioux again. And we're going to then attack them, convincing them to chase us into their own deaths. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Mavic's plan is to get all those fish people out of the water, slaughter everybody, and then just take your time retrieving the boat. Pretty much. <laughs> I think that's the best plan out of all of them. Can I just think? <laughs> okay. Go ahead and mark that off on your sheet. Yep. Before we roll, is anybody, including Captain Edmondson, we already know you're spending one, but is anybody else spending prestige here? I feel like I need to spend one. Just like, I'm in contact with a lot of people who would be good at this sort of thing, but if they're is such a thing, I want to, like, actively enlist the help of the, like, Ship's Navigator's Guild, or the Sailor's Guild, or whatever you call it. Okay. <laughs> a couple of existing options. Okay. If neither of these suits your needs, we could make up a professional guild of navigators. <laughs> right now, as it exists, there are the Coral Scales, which are the fishermen. Then probably closer to what you are looking for is the guild... Narlux Riders, who are the Sailor's Guild. I think that's probably, that will probably do if we assume that, like, first mates slash navigators all fall under, like, the Sailor's Guild. Yeah. Every then, type of sailor yeah. would be in there. Yeah. And they are bound to have some people specializing in navigation. There we go. Much like the Rogue's Guild has some people specializing in assassination. That is kind of an interesting relationship they have with the Dany Mall, but it's neither here nor there. Okay. You're enlisting the aid of Narlux Riders. Yes. Very nice. Captain Edmondson is enlisting the aid of the gunner's daughter. Mavic's going at this on his own, as is Princess Colette. She has no more prestige to spend anyway, so that's the way it is. So both Captain Edmondson and Nowhere, you will get a plus two for spending one point of prestige for outside help. Who's got advantage on this roll? I do. Princess Colette does as well. Captain? No. Mavic? No. No. Okay, let's roll. Let's go around the order in which those plans were presented this time. Princess Colette... Oh, no, this is an active threat, so that means they're rolling against you. Sorry, I forgot to set the difficulty on this. It's at least I high. I think the Suhugan are, because they are weakened by the withering, are high. Not extreme. If they were at full strength, they would be extreme. Yeah. Because this is their home turf. But they're sick. So we're putting them at high again. Princess Colette got a 12. Captain. 13. Nowhere. 10. All right. Mavic. 19. All right, Mavic gets to put his plan into action, which is wholesale slaughter of the Sahuagin on the Moaning Island, which means it is time for the Sahuagin to react. They are an active obstacle because they will be actively trying to fight against you. They're definitely going to lose some people to these traps. But since this is active, they are using their strength against you. 
definitely going to say they have advantage here because there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. And they've got sharks on their side. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that. <laughs> they've got lots of resources here. I think advantage is fair. But you rolled a 19, which is, boy, howdy, going to be hard to beat. That is a 6 and a 2. Yes. So, Mavic, first of all, plus one prestige for winning the argument at the table, winning the right to go act on your objective, and with a high difficulty, that's another plus two. Now, tell us what this looks like. I know you told us the plan, traps on the island, slaughter them. But if there's anything else you want to highlight, either about the attack on the Sahuagin or the retrieval of this ship. This is an impressive effort, because we landed on the island with a small group of men the whole thing reminds me a little of the uh, war sequences in The Patriot, where it's like six dudes who take out the entire British army. It's intelligently fought war between these six guys and the entire Sahuagin who keep just falling into our pit traps and like running into spikes. Oh, excuse me, is it really just six people you sent? It's a small group. <laughs> okay. A small group. And then once they've confirmed that they've wiped out the entire clan of Sahuagin, they take their time and very methodically like set up a system of ropes and pulleys and lower a guy down into the whirlpool and then just like chains and buckets over course of time or ropes and buckets over a course of time pulling out they, the treasure. Oh, they're not raising the ship at all. They're just no, pulling everything. They're just pulling everything out of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the ship is still down there. Yeah. You're getting we're just getting the stuff out of it. Don't need to get the ship. Just clear it all off. Okay. The ship's still buried there. We don't need the ship. And then I think as like. The last bucket is being raised with that first volunteer riding it up. The whirlpool starts to close and just like completely collapses. And the ship is just sunken down there somewhere with that same green light that we all saw last time we were down there. Princess Club will say, Oh, well, Mavic, you are certainly ambitious today. Tackling opportunities at land and sea. You have a bright future ahead of you. Okay, up next... Princess Colette's going to continue on. Well, up next we have something potentially a little bit easier. Potentially a little bit more dangerous. I'm not sure. Things are weird. Something has happened in the frost swamps of Sarakar. Magic has been unreliable there lately. Even lashing out randomly. Rumor has it, thanks to an informant within the royal circle, that the leaders of the Bard's Rebellion were in that area with Brumble's mantle. If so, there's no telling what they've done this time. <laughs> but but we need more information, especially if this power can be harnessed. So this is a passive obstacle, because there are just some random magical effects that are lashing out. Sometimes magic items and spells are working, sometimes they are not. And there have been reports of people, trees, creatures, just getting hit with random magic stuff. But since this is a passive obstacle, the threat is known. It's just a matter of your planning. So let's decide here who wants to go act in the frost swamps. Part of me is really sad that every time that an outside party has been asked to help out on one of these plans, that plan has not been this successful. (laughs) But hey, that's what dice do. Can't force it to happen. So, do people know whether or not they're going to participate yet? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. All right. First... Let's see who all is participating in this event. See some cards. What do we got? Mavic. Yes. Nowhere. Yes. Captain. No. Ikiri. Yes. Colette. No. Before we get to the planning phase, let's determine difficulty. Let's do this correctly this time. Random magic. 
part of me wants to put this at extreme just because I know the underlying cause. Yeah. And there's no anticipating how it's going to manifest itself when whoever you send down there goes. Can I ask a question? Yes. Like, is there a particular goal here? Like, are we trying to stop it? Or are we just trying to figure out if they were there? Or are we trying to figure out if the, like, Grung have the mantle still? Or, like, I'm just... I I don't think that the presence of the Bard's Rebellion is a big issue. Okay. Um, That was mainly brought up because Rumble's mantle is a potential cause for whatever happened down here. Okay. Um, Clearly, at least Colette knows what it does, if not Akiri also. And you're all well-connected enough that I could see any one of you knowing about it. As much detail or not, like, oh, this is an ancient artifact made by the god Brumble, and it does this and that and whatever. Or it could just be like, oh, yo, that's a that's a god artifact. We, yeah. I mean, when they, like, mention it, I could always look back at my sponsor and be like, what the hell is that? Oh, yeah, and, and uh, Cloak is just like, like. yeah. <laughs> just go for that. But, oh, sorry. The goal here. Yeah. I mean, if your goal is to stop it, to make this a safe area again, that's certainly possible. We know that the Grung are in that area and that Crowbaw is not too far away. So you're potentially benefiting two different societies. Mm. That could be helpful to your member of the Glamour, especially if you want to build bridges there. Mm. Like what you get out of it could be their allegiance. Mm-hmm. If you want to harness this power, you know, screw the locals. I want something that's magical and strong. Or if you want to use it as a threat against somebody, like... Hey, Crowbaw, I don't like you anymore. Do something now, or I'm going to turn this to 11. Isn't that true? Okay. It's up to you how you want to... Okay. How your character would use this powerful magic. We don't know if it's tied to an item yet. We know it's tied to an area. Okay. I definitely think that Princess Colette knows the Grung are at least affected by it. Yeah. They're a lot closer to it. I mean, offhand, she might mention, oh yeah, the Grung are getting better. Whatever. (laughs) Arnis says, oops. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so your plan can reflect how it is you want to use this knowledge and this power. Okay. All right. Who's got a plan? I'll go first. All right, Malik. First, what stat is this using? Intelligence. Okay. I Somewhere want to take arcane researchers down there and study the uh, phenomena and find a way to harness it okay. into a weaponized form. That's perfectly all right. I got one. Weapon of mass destruction. Let's make another one. Why yeah. not? Mavic could be like a very dangerous <laughs> weapon hoarder, arms salesman. Arms dealing's coming, buddy. Our very own warlord in the making over here. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Nowhere. Do you have your plan ready? In a vagueish sense, so I'll go ahead and go. It's wisdom based. Okay. I want to use my previous dealings with the Grung to get access to the stuff, right? So I don't want to like go in sneakily or anything. But also, I want to see if I can fix it. What does fixing it entail? Like, Meaning not like... the steps you make, but what does the end result look like? Safety? Yes. Or danger? Safety. Oh. So like make whatever's happening stop. I'm going to take my druid friend along and see if he can, like, figure out if anything's happening, like, with the area itself. You're spending your prestige to get um, a cloak to follow you? Sure. That you would have to. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. I mean, if you want an advantage from it, you'd have to spend your prestige. If you just want him, like, looking over your shoulder, fine, he can be there. Um, just won't be any mechanical. Wait, cloaks? Cloak's in the room. He counts. Yeah, but you're not saying no, you no, no. Oh, cloak. I'm talking she about my companion. companion. Oh, sorry. my companion I'm... is a druid. Sorry. Uh, stupid Scott. 
That's okay. All right. No, yeah, your companion can totally be there. Yeah. My bad. You do not have to spend any prestige for your companion. Okay. Forget I ever said anything. Boom. But the my personal goal is to like maintain Pardon. or like rebuild. Well, I guess it would be to maintain. I don't know that they don't trust me now. To maintain goodwill with the Grung so I can keep like using them for their technology. Okay. That teleportation technology that they've created. Uh-huh. But I'm basically building on like that mm-hmm. previous like relationship that was already there. I really like it. I like it a lot. Ikiri, I think this being a passive obstacle, he's going to forgo his strengths and put forth an intelligence plan. You know, I don't have the smartest of mages at my disposal, but having another area of influence in Sarakar would be ideal. As much as I want to fix it and just have everything be safe, I think having an on and off switch is far more valuable. (laughs) I don't intend to move it around like Mavic over here, but knowing that I can threaten the Grung or Crowbar at a moment's notice could be handy. Yeah, that's his plan. Is anybody spending any prestige on their plans? Yes. All right, Mavic, how are you spending your prestige? Uh, I want to spend two prestige to convince Princess Colette to assist us with her arcane knowledge. Okay. Let me, let me go over to Princess Colette here. I mean, yes, yeah, she does have arcane knowledge. She's middling, but it, it doesn't matter about her stats on this. The fact that she is going to put her resources to bear to assist yours, your combined efforts, will provide that extra die. And if I can... Uh, I'd like to spend another prestige to employ the Mage's Guild to assist us also. Oh my gosh. Oof, just a second here. Let's see here. Okay, well, there's the Cleric Guild, the Paladin Guild, the Sorcerer's Guild, the Warlock's Guild, the Wizard's Guild. Wizard's Guild. Um, outside of the class ones, there's, let's see, Generic Guild. Um, we've got the Alchemist's Guild. Um, I was going to say the Inventor's Guild, but I think they specialize more in mechanical stuff yeah. rather than magical mechanical stuff, and they leave that up to other people. Or they combine their efforts with other guilds. Yeah. So, which one would you like to bring in? I like the idea of the Wizard's Guild. Okay. Like the most broad knowledge for arcane knowledge. The Wizard's Guild, with their name that probably fits right into the glamour. You call upon assistance from the Tower of Abandonment. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yikes. <laughs> they are lifelong magical arcane scholars who abandon themselves to that pursuit. Magic and knowledge above all else. So that's that's an extra die from Princess Colette and a plus two from the Tower of Abandonment, which we haven't seen yet. But if Mavic wins this role, oh my gosh, we're definitely going to see him. I had... I had advantage and a plus two the last time. Well, I don't have advantage. That takes away my disadvantage. Oh. It was a strategic decision. Oh, you had disadvantage. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That'll bring you to a neutral I had role. advantage and a plus two and got a ten last All right. time. Um, nowhere are you spending any prestige. No. Neither is Colette. So, this, as I said, is a passive obstacle. So, let's get a DC going here. Just, I know you said Colette, but Colette was assisting Sorry. me. She's not the one actively involved in this one, right? She's not... Oh, no, no, no. no, no. I just wanted to make sure you were looking at the right stats when you did it. No, I was just looking at Princess Colette to to see where she stood on the intelligence thing. Got it. But first, don't get your dyes warm yet. Passive obstacle. The opposing force rolls with the stat opposite of your own on the stats wheel, which means we do need to set a DC Mm -hmm. uh, based on the difficulty. As I said, yeah, I'd like to put this at extreme just Mm -hmm. because it's unknown and very dangerous. Okay. This is not at the impossible range yet, so it's not as high as it could be. Okay. Ikiri has disadvantage on this roll. 
Because he's not an intelligent person. He doesn't have intelligent resources. So is everybody ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's roll some dice. Oh, God. Wow. This is better than mine by one. Oh, my God. Did you roll one again? Yep. <laughs> you may actually win this one, Scott. I'm, I'm afraid right. if I win this one. Actually, wait. No, I didn't need to set a DC for this because it's a passive obstacle. They're just rolling with the stat opposite of mine. But the extreme difficulty will definitely give this advantage to the random magical field. Okay, let's go around the table. Uh, I think I want to start with Mavic, who got all sorts of assistance. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I came up with a one on the roll, so that's a three total. Ouch. Princess Colette is disappointed in you. The Tower of Abandonment, they sent you a novice. And this guy's still carrying around way too many scrolls. Open them up, like, oh, what's the, uh, oh, like, spilling everything, dropping it in the swamp water. Countless scrolls lost, if they had gone. Jackass. But it doesn't sound like they're going to be the ones going. Nope. Nowhere. What did you get? Two. What? (laughs) Two. No freaking joke, man. Wow. Wish I hadn't knocked it out. One die, no bonuses. (laughs) So the plan of turning it off and making this a safe haven, nah, that's not good. How do we take advantage of that? The plan of let's make another really powerful weapon. Hey, you know, good idea, but... You've already got one. You don't need a second one. <laughs> Calm down there, uh, adjunct. <laughs> it's a little too aggressive, maybe. Ikiri, even with his disadvantage, rolled an 11. Oh, the high side was 16. Jesus. But yeah, an 11. His was an intelligence plan, which means the passive obstacle is rolling strength against him. Yeah, this is just raw magical force beating down the people he sends to go try and take care of this. So while they're actively trying to harness this, get a little on-off switch going on somewhere, they're getting pelted with random magic. Let's see how that goes. With a 13, Ikiri's efforts to harness this random magical field fail. It stays intact, acting as it does now, making it a constant danger for anyone in or traveling through the region. That's fun. (laughs) Word from the wise. Don't go near the frost swamps. <laughs> Big X on the map. <laughs> just so, burn a hole right there. And just drew a firework over it. Yes, I'm sure on the maps that the Glamour owns, it is a known dangerous area. Darwin, Arnis, and Vale. <laughs> I know not Vale. Everybody listening knows not Vale. But whoever, yeah, nobody in your party in Capris is going to know yet. Might find out. Just don't worry about it. It'll be fine. After all of these plans are discussed, Princess Colette turns to Akiri. Akiri, I know this isn't your specialty, but I know how strongly you feel about Sarakar and keeping control of what's yours. We wish you luck. Akiri, I believe you have the next one. So it's Akiri's turn to offer up an objective here for you all. Okay. Up next we have quite an interesting obstacle. Very active. Karami. The fledgling democracy was a nuisance when the monarchy was healthy. But now, they are an interesting opportunity. Besides their growing smuggling prowess, word has it that the denouement have set up a new stronghold there. I shouldn't need to explain to you the value in strengthening such endeavors. The danger here is from both the city guard and the unknown moral flexibility of the government. 
But with the monarchy weakening, Karami is very tempting. So, as Akiri explained, yeah, you do have the tarnished hand and the city guard to deal with there. You do have to worry about actually convincing the leadership to team up with any of you, if that's how you go. Because Ed Coates, I'm sure somebody in the room's got like a profile on Ed Coates. Say he's kind of an upstanding guy. But he's not the only one in charge. There's a city council. And there are some people there that could be leveraged a little bit easier, probably. You will obey. <coughs> I was just going to say the same thing. Um, there are others. Uh, she's the first one that comes to mind just because I know how much we all hate her. Grr. But there is also, you know, the nobility representative there. Lord Cobblestone. Um, fuck, I don't remember everybody else. We did also establish that Darwin's father has a connection to the glamour. Oh, Yes. Yes, Darwin's daddy is definitely an inroad, and he is still paying off Captain Edmondson. Forgot about that. Yeah. That's why Darwin's dad is kind of bumming a lot of stuff off of Darwin when he can, and trying to live off some goodwill with, with Ed Coates. And yeah, he doesn't have as much money to spread around as he used to. Captain Edmondson, though, he's still got the cash. So, the objective here is, again, a little bit more what you want to make out of this. Potentially a large influence in the denouement who is set up there potential access to the smuggling that is going on there, since the city of Karami has to deal with the royal blockades that have put in place on various roads leading into town, and it's very difficult for them to get goods outside of what the city itself produces. This is not new information for us at the table. Um, who mentioned it? Dusty, when you ran into him at the Frost Swamps, was mentioning this. There's a specialized group there called the Aranistas, who've taken after the Bard's particularly free-thinking methods, and are trying their best to provide for the city in not always completely legal means. So, let's figure out who wants to play. Any questions? So objective is just to benefit us in some way or other, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the general objective with all of these is to benefit yourself. It's just a matter of how you want to do that. And what's uh, the role of the denouement? What's their relationship to us? To you as the glamour? Yes. People you can hire to go kill other people. Okay. And if you strengthen their position, or if you are able to take more direct control over their new stronghold, maybe you get assassinations on the cheap. Or maybe you tell them not to take out certain targets. Okay. They are blades for hire, so having some control over them, really handy. But also, I'm just going to throw this out there, if you thought they were growing too powerful and needed to put a stop to them, the royal family would be very pleased. I see. Okay. Karami continues to be a thorn in their side. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're not. That was Arnis chuckling. Not nowhere. Okay. Is everybody ready? Yes. I think so. Yeah. Enough. Okay. Get your cards ready. Yeah. Let's... Enough. It's a good answer. All right. Let's see him. It's a yes from the captain, a yes from nowhere, a yes from Mavic, and a yes from both Akiri and Colette. Everybody's in. Wow. It's an all play. <laughs> Control of a potentially free slash criminal city. Pretty tempting out there. So who wants to go first? I'll go. My plan's terrible. <laughs> so is mine. It's all right. Terrible plans are great. I don't, besides, even, I don't even know if you're going to let this stand as a plan. Besides, if whoever wins ends up failing, then Karami just gets more free. <laughs> so even if we lose, we win. Like the, we as the Karami. <laughs> okay, what so... What is this first? Sorry. My plan is technically strength-based. Okay. And you can tell me if this counts as a strength-based plan, and if it doesn't, then I'm out. Because I have no other ideas. Too late. You're in now. Damn it. Well, then this is my plan. And if it doesn't work strength, then I'm screwed. What I want to do, I want to, I want to take Cloak's companion. Oh, God. 
literally strong-armed the government <laughs> into making me their only source of trade. Wow. <laughs> so your plan is to physically threaten them to become the sole provider of outside goods. Yes. Their sole, like, importer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, physical intimidation certainly is a thing. Okay. Especially if you're roughing up people along the way. Yeah, you're going to have to rough up some people. This isn't just, I'm strong. It's somebody's getting beat up. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. determine who that is if you win, but, like, somebody's going to have to take a beating. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was sort of the idea. You just want to hurt you, Boa, don't you? <laughs> Actually, unfortunately, no. Unless they're the person in charge of trade. So oh, This is all up for debate. Yeah. If you win the roll. All right. You're making a strength roll. Go ahead and mark that off. Oh, yeah. Who's next? All right, Captain. Go. So, I think this is an int plan. Okay. Hopefully. It's basically just to use Darwin's dad to Ooh. smuggle goods in through him. Okay. To sell and make lots of money. So, okay. How does this hinge on the Captain's intelligence or the intelligence of his resources? I don't know. Like, I just need a, a detail here. <laughs> I definitely think this can be intelligence. Uh, I'll like, um, I, I, I just think... want to know, like, when you're sitting down there with Lord Grimm and explaining this plan, and he asked that one question, like, but what about blank? You know, how does intelligence play into this factor? I just see it as setting up, like, a smuggling network. Okay. It takes a little bit of brains and foresight, so he would be the point guy, but okay. to make this really profitable, we'd have to... There's a lot of cooked books involved here. Exactly. There's a lot of false paperwork. Yes. Um, to get things in and out. And I can definitely see that being intelligence. You know, nice. Making sure that the false paperwork actually points to good false flat. Like, people aren't going to catch it right away. Yes, that. Good, 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 good. Intelligence. Man, if that happens, man, Darwin's dad is even more. Uh, <laughs> uh, got him right by the... Uh, Short and curlies, as they say. Well, he's going to get... It's more money coming through him. Yeah, he's going to... He's going to profit a little off this, too. And I think that Lord Grimm would see would see that. Like, oh, hey, if I get more money, maybe I don't have to give all of it to Captain Edmondson now. Maybe I can afford to actually live in my house with all of my servants on a daily basis. Right. Okay. Well, that brings us down to Princess Colette, Ikiri, and Mavic. Are all you right. ready, Mavic? You want to do one, I'll do one, and do the other one? Sure, 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 sure. That way, just Scott's not talking forever. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I think it's Princess Colette who's going to go with her charisma plan. And she's going to send, probably not herself, due to her appearance and condition, but she will send envoys, very well-spoken, and try to convince the city council, Ed Coates aside, that she and her associates can provide a safe and secure method for bringing things into the city, and more importantly, allowing for free travel of citizens. Mostly a lie. Partially true. There's a lot of palms that can be greased along the way. Mm. So this will actually benefit the city of Cromie if it works, but they're going to end up owing a lot to the glamour, and Princess Colette in particular. All right, Mavic? Mavic's going with Constitution here. Ooh, explain. Mavic's going to provide drugs and training to the uh, soldiers and smugglers of Karami so that they can uh, perform better and take more damage from their enemies. The idea being that if a smuggler can run faster and take more of a hit than the army, they can get farther. And if the standing army in Karami can take a hit and fight longer than the army of Sarakar, they can last longer and outlast their enemies. Man, we're going to get a bunch of people hooked on you. <laughs> PCP, is that what you're thinking? Kind of, yeah, kind of. 
I'm not a fan of this. I don't want to get them hooked on drugs, but they're going to be better fighters. We will get to some particulars if you end up winning this. All right, mark off your constitution. Oh, I did. Okay, good. Last up, we have Ikiri. Ikiri plays the long game because he's got time on his side always. So he's going to use his strength. Right now, I'm in a real pickle as to who he's using that strength against. Does he believe that the royal family is going to be able to retake all of their power? Or does he believe that they're all going to eat it? Ikiri's been around long enough to know that the elves keep coming out on top in Sarakar. He's going to take his forces to bear against Karami and shut down their operations. It is potentially valuable, but it is also potentially a seat of opposition. And if he wants to keep the royal family happy, returning them, the city of Karami, would go a long ways for that. I'll have to beat up some guards, but the denouement would probably still be intact. So they're not specifically loyal to the city. Yeah. I think Akira here is going to go bad. All right. I feel terrible right now. You should. So, is anybody using any prestige on this roll? Do I need any for taking my sponsor's companion? Only if you want to gain an advantage from it. And that would be spending two prestige, right? Yep. I feel like I should do that. Because I have disadvantage on the roll. You may. It's a big gamble. It is. It's a lot bigger for me than it is for you. Why? Because that leaves me with one prestige. Oh. Yeah, but I'm not doing so hot this time at all. I know. Mavic's running away with the show this time. I'm going to do it. All right. Yeah. Gimble Ningle will escort you on, if you're successful in the planning phase. No, but it's Gimble Ningle's companion. Yes. Okay. But if the companion goes without Gimble Ningle, then Gimble Ningle is left without a companion for the time being. They could get a temporary one, or they can watch you over your shoulder the whole time. As an aspirant, I think that's only fair. That is fair. They won't be helping themselves. Sorry. They may be helping themselves to other things in the city. They won't be helping you personally. <laughs> but their companion will be, if you succeed. So that gives you an extra die. Anybody else spending prestige? No, it gives me not disadvantage. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and spend some. All right. What do you got? I'm going to spend two to convince Gimbal Mingle to help me in my smuggling of my drugs. Hmm, now we're left with a very interesting situation here. What? Because Gimble has promised you use of his companion, but does this actively go against any of Gimble Ningle's direct concerns? Hmm, that's a good question. You know what? Why you gotta be a jerk to me? Ugh, what an ass. <laughs> it's, it's not Mavic's fault, it's Gimble Ningle's fault. Gimble Ningle's been at this game for a while. They see lending their companion one place and some other resources another gives them twice the opportunity to gain some control and some uh, influence here. If you can bet on two horses, why not? Especially when there's minimal risk to you yourself. It's like playing black and red in roulette. Unless you build up zero, like, all right. He doesn't even get off the polar bear. Just leans forward a little bit out onto one of his knees. No offense, nowhere. You understand. (laughs) I have utter faith in you. But, uh... You know, double my chances. Flashes you a smile. Yeah. I know enough to keep my mouth shut in that situation, right? To not bite back. But he will hear about it on the polar bear ride home. (laughs) Who will? Gimbal? Mingle? Come at me, too. Are you riding the polar bear? No, I'll probably walk next to the polar bear. Okay. Okay. Anybody else spending prestige? No. Okay, Captain. 
I'm not coming at you. You're huge. It's all right. Castigation is between your companions anyways, if you really mm-hmm. wanted to go at it. Yeah, they're both not looking so hot. <laughs> I'm not putting a drawn through that. Okay. Ikiri and Colette have no more prestige to spend. That's not true. Ikiri has one. Is there a guild that could help them out? Yes, there is. Oh, Yes, Kiri's going to spend his only point of prestige that he has right now to get a guild involved. The guild that's on the inside, bringing in the denouement to strategically take out some people. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, that's so evil. I'm sitting here looking at like, oh, do I want some barbarians? Do I want some like wizards? No, the assassins are already there. This is like minimal effort for maximum return. God, you really are the, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> He's still got to win the role. I know, but oh, my poor Karate. All right, let's decide what the difficulty is here. At least high. Mm-hmm. The Tarnished Hand are there, and the mayor and the city council are generally happy with where they're at. Like The city's pretty stable right now. Aside from the blockades on the roads, they're still able to get stuff in, thanks to various smuggling groups. And... I don't want to say whether or not they've employed the denouement yet to protect anybody or to keep anybody dangerous out. I will leave that for later if we go back to Karami. <laughs> so, what are people thinking? High works. Think high high works. extreme or impossible. I think high, high. sounds good. High. Okay. So, let's go around the table. Who's got advantage? Who's got any bonuses from prestige? Let's go. Captain Edmondson. Neither. Nothing. Okay. Just the one die. Nowhere. I'm rolling one die. One die. Mavic. Mavic started with advantage and has a bonus die. Okay, so he's rolling three dice. Yes. We're screwed. Such an ass. <laughs> the rich play by their own rules. Ikiri does not have any advantage, but is getting a plus two from the guild. Since this is an active obstacle, the city will get a chance to roll against whoever wins here. So let's roll some dice. Really don't want you to win, Scott. Like, really. How do you think I feel? <laughs> I put forward evil plans because these are supposed to be not cool people. All right, Captain. I got a nine. Nowhere? Eleven. Mavic? Thirteen. Ikiri rolled a thirteen with a plus two from the Assassin's Guild. That's a fifteen. No! Wow. Um, I'd like to declare a clandestine effort. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, let's get to that. Uh, as I find the rules here, yeah. um, can you explain to the table, not necessarily to the members mm-hmm. in the meeting, why it is Mavic is taking this clandestine effort? Yeah, Mavic sees too much value in Karami being a free city to the glamour as a whole that they refuse to let it be taken back into the larger continent of Sarakar. Okay, solid reasoning. It doesn't always have to be true logic, as long mm-hmm. as there's logic behind it. That's good logic. Faulted or not, who's to say? We, yeah. the heroes, yeah. would love to see this happen. I am in my brain um, realizing that yours wasn't the one I wanted to do this on, but I'm going to go with it. But um, also within the glamour, clearly the other three people at the table, sorry, the other four, shit, Colette, she's got a role. <laughs> so I was w- so fixated put a pin in that. <laughs> Colette rolls with advantage because she's going with charisma. Well, there you go. I feel bad now because Colette crit, which means Akiri doesn't get his way. Which means the assassins aren't doing anything evil. Sorry. And I don't foretake a clandestine okay. effort. Let's rewind. Ikiri, with his bonus, gets a 15, but unfortunately that is not enough to beat Princess Colette, who rolled a 
20, which means the city is going to be real hard-pressed to stop her influence. The city is going to have advantage. They are an active obstacle. The only question is whether or not they're trying to keep her out of the city just with force. Like, no, you're not allowed in here. We don't know you. We don't trust you. Or if it's their morals that are keeping her influence out of the city. Mm. I kind of want to argue the morals because she's coming at them with charisma. So unless the tarnished hand were physically throwing her envoys out, this is whether or not people are listening. They got a 14, which is a good effort, but no. So Princess Colette gets one point of prestige for winning the argument, and then another two for the high difficulty. And what does this look like? Well, yeah, Princess Colette's not going herself due to her condition, but she is able to send envoys and bribes and fresh food and fresh goods Probably even bringing in a couple of subject matter experts. People who can help with the general running of the town and then how to, uh, what do you call it? How to outsmart the blockades. Um, ooh, ooh, no, even better. Rather than just like general tactics, Princess Colette is an author. She wields a lot of influence. She just straight up provides them with the guard's duty details. This is exactly when people are going to be posted here and when rotations are happening for the next like six months. It's like Karami's going to have very little trouble getting stuff in and out right now. Nice. Dang it, I made Karami stronger. (laughs) Good. Yes! I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, nowhere doesn't care, but I care. You kind of enjoy actively working against our own interests. Well, think of it this way. Karami has access to more goods and easier travel right now, but they are now indebted to the glamour. That's true. Like They are less free than they once were. That's true. In an ideological sense. In practicality, like, yeah, the day-to-day, they certainly feel and seem more free. But when you've got somebody who can shut that off... Mm. All right. Akiri, well, Princess Colette, I certainly see the wisdom in keeping a free city on our side, just in case the monarchy goes under. I hope you're right. Time will tell. For the meantime, it certainly seems like we have another safe place to lay our heads. Okay, let's go to Princess Colette. Okay, we have one final item before we'll ask you to join us atop the tower's battlements for a special surprise. The Count and Countess of Capris are calling for representatives across Sarakar and beyond to address the withering. This is potentially a long-term engagement, so we don't expect immediate results, but we don't want to be left out of whatever they get up to. Someone needs to be a part of this inner circle and report back regularly so we can stay ahead of the prophet. This is an opportunity. There is no threat because the Count and Countess of Capris are calling for aid on a wide scale, largely from royalty and leadership, both within the continent and without. But they're also asking for like just talented people, like high, high-end wizards, people with magical knowledge, uh, People with money, like funding counts. We've got a lot of things to do if we're going to stop whatever's happening in the world. This is a unique opportunity, because there won't be success right now. As Princess Colette explains, this is a long-term engagement. There will be an initial meeting whenever everybody gets to Capris. But the final plan won't be decided in a single sitting. It's hardly ongoing. So the opportunity here is for someone to be present in Capris as all of this planning goes down. is able to influence it, profit from it. Keep the glamour on top. So let's decide who wants to play. So it's just like a... What's the word? Like they're organizing a group of people to do something about this thing. Yeah. 
the Count and Countess of Capris, which people don't know that's where the withering started, but they have sent out word for aid. They know something has happened there. The Count and Countess, they know something happened in Capris because it was right after whatever y'all did underground. Earth shook, bit of a sinkhole there. People start getting sick immediately. We don't know for certain that that was a cause, but it's at least a symptom, and they're bringing people to them for aid. Okay. Now, and this is an opportunity for someone to be an advisor, a mole, someone to keep people from the truth, somebody to get to the truth faster. It's really up to you how you want to do this plan. But it's a long-term engagement, and it will not see results tonight. Is everybody else ready? Or do we need more time? I think so. I guess. Okay. Let's see those cars. Bam! Ikiri is a yes, Colette is a no. Mavic is a yes. Nowhere is a yes. The captain oh, is a no. All right. Let's talk plans. Who wants to go first? Akiri definitely has a plan. Okay. Akiri's plan is going to hinge on charisma. He's going to charm the sweet count and countess of Capris to allow him to sit in on all of these meetings and offer advice and guidance and even funding as it's necessary in order to help them on their way. This may be a net loss as far as profit goes in the immediate term, but if they do find a cure, he'll be on the ground floor. He's all about that. All right, who else? I guess I'll go. Okay. What do you have for us, Nowhere? <laughs> oh, the only reason I wasn't going is that I wanted to give you the opportunity to put yours out first so that if mine had anything similar to yours, I wasn't stealing your ideas. Don't worry about it. Oh, my plan's dumb, so don't... <laughs> Like, don't even think. Mm. If, if you're implying that we can't all be dumb the same way, I'm I hate down to, to like. Uh, yeah, that's definitely possible. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm down to my like. How do I even use that stat? Stats. Mm-hmm. My plan is less about being active, at least in the short term, and more about just kind of wait and see. Which is not so. What stat is this? It's constitution. And the reason it's constitution is because <laughs> it takes a lot of mental fortitude for nowhere to sit in a room full of people who are trying to come up with a solution to something and to not say anything. <laughs> and so my objective is to be more of a like, mole passing information to the glamour Mm -hmm. than to be like actively attempting to like gain something for myself and it's because i'm such low level in the glamour that i figure if i can help them out that raises my status i totally get this from the glamour perspective why are the count and countess going to allow you to attend this can still hinge on constitution but i just want to know like why are they allowing you to be there um you don't have an invitation no, but I have worldwide like contacts that might be able to get things like as an importer exporter. Except that, like that's not con though, and so I'm like, th- I'm struggling. <laughs> struggling here too. I was down uh, to con too. I like I'm. I've got con. I've got decks, and neither one is particularly good for this. Hmm. I'm just trying to think of like how we can spin this. I mean, I guess, like, my goal going in really is to just be a, like... Okay. Ah, sounds stupid. Like, to be, like, a steadying presence. Okay. I've got an idea here. What is your current status of your con skill? Advantage, disadvantage, or neutral? Neutral. Okay. The likelihood of Vera and Irina being impressed by your ability to be quiet? Pretty small. Yeah. So, 
what I want I think I want to make a special rule here. Because you're down to one or two stats. Two. And Dex ain't going to do it. And I think because this is such an ill fit, we could either bump this down to disadvantage, or you can spend prestige to bring in an outside party to provide some of that assistance while you sit there and keep your trap shut. No, I'll take the disadvantage. Okay. <laughs> I can't spend any more prestige. Got one point of it left. The Count and Countess may not be super thrilled that you don't have any great ideas, but if you can sit there and listen and help them communicate the plight, maybe? Like, it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. Yeah, I know. So, I, I mean, I want to encourage participation here, but I think we're going to have to make a ruling where if you're trying to use a stat that just doesn't fit, yeah, like, we got to take that down and die. Yeah. There's got to be a cost here. So, okay. We'll do that. All right, Mavic. Mavic is using decks. Um, oh. And this is Mavic's plan. Mavic gets in the room because they're the public face of the Isle of Indulgence. They bring money. They bring prestige in the room. Okay. While in the room, they're making note of who's in the room. And what they brought with them to the meeting outside are their thieves. And <laughs> when the people leave the building, they don't get back on their ships with all of their items. And so, using the dexterous thieves that I have, pockets are picked, letters are stolen, and the glamour gains the knowledge that would have been gained by those in the room. So, Mavic's plan is to turn this humanitarian effort into a grift. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> That's pretty evil. Sometimes you gotta steer into it. I mean, like, ugh. They're like the lowest tier. We're just like, yeah, we're just going to rob them. <laughs> That's it. Like, we're not like getting anything special off of them, but hey, these are probably some rich people. There's they might no- have like names on them or something. Yeah. Like, we're just going to rob them. That's There's it. no slow play. <laughs> no. It's just. Well, you know, the slow play is I get invited to the next meeting because that was the last meeting. And we just keep gaining that knowledge over and over again. Oh my God. That's what I got. Okay. And it is not a strong suit set nope. either. <laughs> Or is anybody spending prestige on these? Nope. I'm going to use one. To do what? To bring in the Thieves Guild to help my thieves. All right. The Thieves Guild. Thieves. Thieves Guild. They do have their own guild separate of the Rogues Guild. Is that who you want? Yes. You want the Thieves as opposed to the Rogues? The Thieves. Just want to make sure. They're both on the table. The Thieves Guild. Otherwise known as the Free Market. I like Because everything's free in the market. (laughs) If you steal it. (laughs) Steal it. (laughs) That's good. All right. All right. Are you spending any prestige nowhere? No. Neither is Akiri. He does have advantage, though. Anybody else? I have disadvantage. Same. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's go, Akiri. This is just an opportunity, so the DC is static. I only want to put it at high, because this is a high-profile meeting. Mm -hmm. They're not just letting anybody in. So if we're like, you know, Akira, you know, he's got to work his personality a little bit. You, you got to hide your thieves a little bit. Nowhere, you, you were already at a disadvantage here. Like this is it's, just. It's, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, I think nowhere's biggest problem is like, how do I just get in there and stay in there? Yeah. Okay. Let's do some rolling. All right. Nowhere, since I think you're going to have the hardest time of this. What do you got? Seven. Okay. Mavic. With disadvantage, 17. Gee, what was the other die? A 16. Because it was a 15 and a 16, but I had the plus two for oh, okay. my like, Wait, one of those is lower. Yeah. Ikiri, in all his blessed charisma, 
rolled a pair of nines. <laughs> Still did better than me. With advantage, like, ugh. But that's, that's the risk we take. Sometimes the charisma doesn't play off. I think Princess Colette might stay his hand a little bit. Like, Kira, we don't need you getting into any trouble with the locals. But, uh, sure, Mavic. Yeah. Okay, robbing these people and then feeding us information. Okay. We get a little bit of immediate bonus out of it, and we get a little long-term bonus out of it. There's two sides to this victory. And you brought in the free market, who's now going to definitely get a boost in the world. Because they're taking a cut, whether or not Mavic knows it. Oh, the yeah. free market's got a cut. I would assume they're going to, yeah. It's standard operating yeah. practice here. The static DC for that was 15, so even if you had rolled really low, yeah. like, nobody else was winning that thing. All right, so you get plus one prestige mm-hmm. for winning the scenario, and then because it was high, you get another plus two prestige. Mavic is going to make an adept out of himself yet. So, Mavic, go ahead and... Uh, actually, no. Because we don't have immediate results, this is an ongoing thing. Like, you're getting the prestige from... Mm-hmm. Like, everybody is positive you're going to do well here. You're going to get yourself in um, between you and your scary, scary uh, Wingwin. And the Thieves Guild generally knows what they're doing. So everybody's got faith in you. That prestige is on credit. But I think we will get to Mavic and Wingwin in Capris later. That was the last of the objectives that the authors brought to the table. Are there any members present? Nobody's announcing this. But since the meeting's about to end, is anybody angling to dispatch another member of the Glamour after this meeting concludes? No. Okay. Let's go to prestige calculation before we go to the wrap-up. Because don't ever end on math. (laughs) Alright, let's move into end of session. A session ends once all the scenarios have been addressed and all companion actions have been taken. Prestige earned during the session is added up for each member. So, how much did everybody earn this session? Is that what you currently have or how much you've earned over the course of the session? Earned over the course of the session. Okay, because I've been not keeping track. I've been spending it and subtracting it, but it's been the same amount for every one I've gotten, so... Mine's easy. Oh yeah, Captain? How much did you earn? Negative one. Prestige you spent doesn't count against prestige earned. Then zero. Okay. (laughs) Still easy. I'm sorry that Captain Edmondson did not win a single debate at the table. Not my night. It's alright. You you had a good time last time. It's true. Which means, I think, nowhere. You're going to probably end up taking it away in the next one. But, uh, for now, nowhere. Two. Mavic. Nine. Jeez. Damn. Princess Colette earned three, and Ikiri earned one, which he quickly spent. Um, this is one thing that I didn't change. I'm up for debate on this. Either way, Mavic's going to be getting our bonus prestige. Just because I still have it under the old rules where the person with the highest total of earned prestige gets the bonus prestige. I don't know if we want to change that to whoever won the most scenarios. Luckily, it's a moot point right now, because they are one and the same. the same person, Mm -hmm. yeah. It is Mavic. Mavic won half of the scenarios, and was successful in all three. Which, that's either good play on Mavic, or, hey, I need to make things harder. Or I need to find a way to give more bonuses to the opposition. We'll find out later. I don't know. So Mavic is going to get our bonus prestige, one for every member present. That's Nowhere, Captain Edmondson, Princess Colette, Ikiri... And thanks to someone's sponsor being here, 
I grimble the bimble. Grimble the bimble. Gimble mingle. Gimble mingle. Just five bonus prestige. Just call him cloak. Nope. <laughs> so at the end of the session, then I would have whatever we would have whatever prestige we have, right? Not what we've spent because I earned nine, but I spent six of that over the course of the session. Yeah, so you just have whatever's left over. Got it. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. No, you don't get to keep. No, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we're supposed to be tracking the, like, the overall prestige earned over the course or whatever. No, no. Um, because you do need X amount of prestige to attempt to level up. And if you've spent that prestige convincing other people to do your mm-hmm. bidding, like maybe you're not quite ready on your own yet. You needed help from all these other people. So there is wisdom in sitting on prestige, like the captain. Hmm. All right, let's dive right into endgame. As the meeting wraps up, the plant folk servants and Goliath guards prepare to lead everyone to the top of the tower. You all take a moment to collect yourselves and your companions and get any little small talk out of the way. But before you can get too deep into that, they quickly escort you out the door into a long spiral set of stairs leading upwards. And as you emerge out on top of this castle tower, the fog continues to shroud everything beyond the island. The wind swells and shrinks in a soft pattern. There are plush lounge chairs and wide sunshades. Ikiri the Ageless invites you all to make yourselves comfortable. Princess Colette is the first to take a seat, the day having taken its toll on her. What do the rest of you do? Top of a tower, there's the little crenellations around. Mm-hmm. Comfy chairs, plant folk probably still have drinks for you, so this is just how comfortable do you want to be up here for the surprise. Uh, I'll get pretty comfortable. Drink, nice chair. I stay standing. I stand, but offer the chair to my companion. Unless they're not coming up here. Oh, no, the companions are coming up here, too. Okay, then, like, the chair I would have taken, I give to my companion. All right. My companion's guarding me. Yeah. So, Adron takes a seat. Probably very happy to be off of his feet for a moment after that long meeting. It's just, it's a lot of slowly building up pain in his body. And the chance to sit down is nice. And as you make yourself comfortable and grab a drink or what have you, Ikiri addresses you. I cannot impress upon you enough just how vital it is we stay at the forefront of addressing the withering. The potential is limitless. We could be seen as saviors. We could be at the foundation of leading a new world, a new age. Other members will be meeting here as soon as they can catch up. But we are here now. We are the spearhead. As he says this, Mistress Sangal weaves her wand in the air. With the assistance of the airborne elementals, a window high in the fog begins to open. The wind comes to a sudden stop, and it's then that you realize it wasn't the wind that stopped, but the island. You couldn't tell before, but you have been on a voyage ever since you first docked. As the window in the fog continues to open, you see land. The town of Capris lies beneath you, just a short distance away. The glamour sits ready to take advantage of this tragedy. And we'll find out what that means for the world when we return in Seasons of Skyrend, Book 3. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash and pick out a level that's right for you. 
Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 city council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Chris DeMello and Sierra Jones. And at the very generous $15 governor level, thank you, Steve Geddes. Podcast art created by Vanessa Blockland. You can find more of her art on Facebook or at vanessablockland.com. Blockland spelled B-L-O-K-L-A-N-D. Podcast music by Daryl Dibber Reconos. You can find more of his music at dibber.mo or at soundcloud.com slash dibbermusic. Dibber spelled D-I-B-U-R. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrendpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrendpodcast.com.